Welcome back to Talking to Humans. Uh, this is our season finale. I'm Mark Andrus, one of the hosts. I'm here with Vicki Demert, my co-host. Hello, hello. Hey, Vicki. And we are joined by Gina Mendez. Uh, she's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes for the podcast, and she's going to be joining us today for the season finale just to talk through a number of themes that have, uh, that have shown up through the season. So, Gina, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit before we get started about uh, who you are, tell us a little bit about your family and what you do here at the church. Sure. Um, I am married to Josh, and we have three girls. Um, Elisa's 19, um, well, almost 19. Abby's 14, and Isla is 11. Um, I guess my title here at church is um, Counseling and Classes Coordinator. Um, It's kind of a loaded thing, uh, I schedule counseling appointments, I do prep work for classes and registration, I help plan conferences, and just a lot of other admin work. So you do a whole lot of things that most people don't see, but if you didn't do them, lots of church stuff wouldn't happen. So that kind of makes you like one of the most important people on staff. One of. (laughs) (laughs) And you are also on the counseling team, and do counseling yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm really glad you're able to take the time to join us today. Um, as I said, we're going to be talking through some different themes. You've been kind of in the room as we've been uh, recording these podcasts and uh, taking just lots of notes and keeping track of what we've been talking through. And so uh, you have kind of a unique perspective uh, of being able to identify some of those things. So um, why don't you just kind of introduce maybe one of the one of the initial themes that comes to mind of something that you've seen you know pop up through our conversations during the season? Sure. Um, I feel like everybody did such a great job sharing, um, and they did a a good job, like, helping people embrace emotions and be familiar with them, normalize them, but something I didn't hear us talk about that much was um, when the emotions of others are being imposed on us, Mm. and... That's not the greatest thing sometimes. Um, And so that made me think about boundaries and asking ourselves, what are we responsible for when these emotions aren't ours to carry? And how do we know what we're responsible for and how do we respond? I love that because it's a whole other perspective. Um, yeah, because we're talking about managing our own emotions, but what do we do when other people's emotions are being imposed on us or we are feeling responsible for those emotions? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't live in vacuums where we get to just think about ourselves. We're always yeah. impacted by and impacting others. So that is a that is a great question. Yeah, like it's my responsibility to make somebody not be mad or yeah. handle their anxiety or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the... One of the things that has been helpful for me to kind of visualize this, and this is a podcast, so drawing it out won't do any good, but um, kind of envisioning two concentric circles. There's a smaller circle in the middle um, that's surrounded by a larger circle. Um, I guess that's the definition of concentric circles. (laughs) 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 But, uh, and I also can't claim uh, this idea as my own. I stole it from somebody else, probably Vicki. But if you imagine, if you will, that smaller circle is all the things that I can control. And what, mm-hmm. but specifically, what has God called me to? Um, and, and that's actually a, 
fairly small number of things. Like he's called me to faithfulness and, and obedience and loving other people, caring for family, you know, working hard at your job, those sorts of things. But there's a whole broader uh, spectrum of things on that larger circle outside of it, which is all things that I can't control. Mm-hmm. And that's other people, how they respond in yeah. situations, how they work, how they don't work, so on and so forth. The difficult thing is um, all of those things that happen in that outside circle, even though I can't control them, they still affect me. Mm-hmm. They still have an impact on my life. They still force me to adapt and change and confront different things that they reveal inside of me. Uh, and so the natural, the natural tension in almost every human being is to move outside and try to control those things in the bigger circle. Um, and then that usually leads to greater frustration because a, I realize I can't do that. And B I'm then realize that I'm falling short and actually focusing on and controlling the things that I am called to and supposed to control. Yeah. I think that actually comes maybe from Paul Tripp's book, the concentric circle thing. Oh, I don't know. I, I I'll take ownership. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that gets like putting emotions in there and yeah, and having boundaries and, and even knowing what boundaries are. Um, cause a lot of people think boundaries are just to keep people from doing something to us or, mm-hmm. um, but they're actually about establishing and protecting and knowing your identity and what's healthy. Yeah. Well, the, the, the tricky thing in that is, um, you know, boundaries are, boundaries are helpful, but we, people tend to think about boundaries as protecting me, um, which there is a degree of truth to that. Um, but there's also an aspect that we often, we often don't think about, which is that boundaries also serve to, to love other people. Yeah. When someone is, and you talked about like when someone's imposing their emotions upon you, whether that's purposeful in a manipulative way, whether it's just the cult of their personality and there's a lack of awareness, um, when somebody's imposing their emotions on you and, and you're feeling controlled or, um, or suffocated in, in some way with that, um, boundaries can actually serve not just to protect you, but to, to love them and point out, hey, you in, in imposing these things on me are actually stepping outside of what God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. You are focusing on that, that outer concentric circle rather than focusing on honoring the commitments that God has asked you to make. And putting boundaries, and sometimes there are consequences that go with those boundaries, um, is actually a loving aspect of, of participating in the work that God is doing, of sanctifying someone else, bringing to attention shortcomings, faults, failures, um, you know, idols, desires to control other things. Um, and one of the things that, that we come across a lot in counseling is people feel guilty about setting boundaries. Yeah. Um, and so I do think it's, I do think it's important to consider that that second aspect of boundaries are actually a way to love and call, um, love somebody else and bring to the surface unhealthy behaviors and habits that God might want to address in them. Yeah, it, it actually is a means to preserving the possibility of, of true intimacy with the other person yeah. or with God. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What other what other themes uh, have come up during the season, or things that just questions you have, or things that you've been taking away for, as you've been sitting in, in the corner over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the themes that popped up in almost every episode was the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they are just crucial, vital parts of us expressing emotions and and how the Bible normalizes emotions, um, especially ones that we feel like aren't acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
kind of made me think of how, since we're trying to normalize and become familiar with our emotions, um, kind of viewed the Psalms as like a roadmap. Um, you know, when you're going somewhere, you've never been there before, you don't, you need a map, you, you need direction. Um, but as you go there more often, you become more familiar with the area and and you're comfortable. And I feel like the Psalms kind of do that. Like we can go to the Psalms not really knowing how to express our emotions, but the mm-hmm. more we go to them, it becomes more familiar and we're able to express better. Yeah, it's like God's word is giving voice to the experience. Um, yeah, giving words and verbalizing maybe what we have a hard time um, saying. And is there also making me think how God's word speaks into uh, particular contexts and and comes alive in the midst of our experiencing emotion. Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, part of the purpose of this season, we titled it was engaging with emotions. Um, there's just a reality that a lot of us just struggle with that, whether it's even, whether it's an issue of self-awareness, um, of even knowing what it is that I'm feeling, or if it's a, a shallow approach to emotions of just, oh, I'm angry, and, and not taking the time to examine what might be underneath that anger, what might be some uh, some primary things, you know, happening to, to make anger bubble up at the surface. Uh, but but a lot of us struggle just with, with naming, acknowledging our emotions. And, and then there was a, a theme that came about of, of lots of people just feeling guilty about their emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sad or I'm angry. It's bad. Therefore, I need to be happy and content. Um, and we kind of we kind of deal in too much of a, um, a binary view of, of emotions. And what's beautiful about the Psalms and why I think these, these came up in everybody's you know stories is that the Psalms themselves aren't binary. Mm. Um, you have, sure, you have Psalms of praise, you know, uh, what they call the, the Psalms of ascent as people are, you know, that there would be singing these as they would be walking up to Jerusalem for, you know, feasts or festivals. And you know, these are songs of worship and praise just acknowledging the character and the goodness of God. Uh, but then there are Psalms of lament, of just crying out to God. Some of those psalms turn. God, this hurts. You know, where are you? Why have you turned your face from me? Uh, yet I know that you're good. I know you're present. You're with me. Your you know, mercies are new every morning. Some of those psalms of lament don't turn at all. Mm-hmm. Psalm 88 in particular uh, is, is one that, you know, basically just says, God, everything hurts. Everything is terrible. And it's all your fault. The end. Like there's, there's no turn in there whatsoever. Then there's imprecatory Psalms of, of anger and, and crying out for justice to be poured out on, on evil. Um, and, and ev- so even in the Psalms, you see all these different ways in which scripture gives language to mm-hmm. our experience. Um, and if you understand the Psalms as the prayer book of God's people, uh, what that does is it doesn't just, it doesn't just normalize the language of emotions. It also validates them and, and kind of, proclaims that emotions have to be felt and experiences exist in our relationship, in our communication with God. Um, and so I think part of the reason why then that shows up a lot in different people's stories is as they begin to engage with the Psalms and feel the word of God give language to their experiences, there's a, there's a sense of, then of intimacy and connection with God um, that we just don't have when we don't engage with our emotions. It's making me think if we um, if we can't bring the most broken broken parts of us um, to God, then who who can we bring them to? And um, He invites us to do that in the Psalms. But it is interesting because even something you said, and and you also said, 
Mark, is uh, people don't, these negative emotions, like they're not okay. That that was a theme mm-hmm. that, that we saw. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think of um, when Jen was talking about fear, and it, and she said it caused her to go inward. Um, and a lot of the emotions cause us to go inward, and um, it reminded me that the we have a vertical problem, and there's a vertical solution, mm. and it's called repentance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, it's, you use the word repentance. I think a lot of times, what when people think about repentance, they think specifically in relationship to I'm sinning against God. I need to turn around and obey. And certainly, there's a component of that. But but part of the definition of repentance is first of all agreeing with God that what He says is good and right is good and right, and what He says is wrong is wrong. And so even even repentance as it relates to some of these emotions, there are certain times you go, hey, I am I am sinning in my anger. I'm sinning in my fear. Certainly there's a place for that. Uh, but there are also times where the the sin, if you will, is not in the emotion itself, but in my denying of it or, mm-hmm. or trying to move too quickly past it. Um, and so repentance in those moments actually looks like agreeing with God that, hey, this is this is part of what it is to be made in your image is experiencing what you've created me to experience. Forgive me for trying to move too quickly through it or find my mm-hmm. own healing. Um, I want to agree with you that mm-hmm. I need to engage with this emotion and bring it to you. Um, so that, that, that picture of, of repentance often is ends up being very uh, myopic uh, in scope and approach in the church. And so I do think it's important to kind of broaden that in terms of understanding what it means to agree with God. I'm curious, Gina, if you notice any things about um, how people responded to the emotions that we that were categorized as bad or not good. Um, you mentioned like Jen went inward. Um, were there any any themes that that kind of really stuck out and how they either looked at it or viewed it or responded to those emotions? Um, one one that's coming to mind is just self sufficiency. Um, Arnold talked about that in in his his talk about guilt and shame. Um, like when I'm facing trouble, my instinct is to trust in myself. Yeah, and um, God's usually at the bottom of my list after I've exhausted all my other options. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's the last resort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but when all else has failed and I go to Him, He's mm-hmm. just waiting gladly and ready for me to talk to Him and. That's freeing, and I don't have to be condemned that he was the last thing on my mm-hmm. list, and and it reminds me that that he's there, and and hopefully he'll move up on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky, what? Why do you think that is? Because what you described, I've seen that myself a lot. Yeah. I've seen other people. Why do you think that is that we do that self sufficiency thing? I'm gonna try to figure this out. If all else fails, then I'll go to God like what what's happening in us why does that happen so much I think we think we can fix it um and I don't want to admit my weakness or my limitations Mm -hmm. and you know that that's vulnerable to be like there is something that I can't I can't fix or to admit I I am affected something you 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 say or do does affect me 
Um, so I, I just want to be able to handle it kind of behind the scenes and, and we, we think, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not affected. On the, on the surface that feels like, and I'm being purposely overly simplistic on the surface that feels like pride. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also hear you like there, there's something else underneath that. What is the fear of expressing weakness of being vulnerable of needing help what what's the fear underneath that i i think rejection like that that would be my guess rejection or value i'll be seen as weak and Mm. if i'm seen as weak will i be uh accepted Mm. if people fully if they really knew me would they accept me yeah so i only want to show the good parts you know well and there's i feel like there's actually probably a a truth behind that fear. I mean, the, the reason we fear that is probably because we've all experienced that in different ways um, of being seen and then, you know, having a relationship change or somebody look at us differently. And so I'm not saying that that fear and what we do with it is right, but it, there's a degree in which a lot of times I feel like that, that makes sense that we yeah. would have that. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any other themes that kind of really stuck out? Yeah. Um, when I listened to Robin's, I feel like there was more of a parenting theme in her story, yeah. and um, it just made me think about as much as we need to work on and familiar, familiarize ourselves with our emotions, um, how those of us who are parents need to be attentive to our kids' emotions yeah. and um, and really ask ourselves, where where might we be minimizing or dismiss, dismissing or even punishing them for having them? Yeah. Yeah, there's an opportunity in parenting to, to help kids um, learn how to steward and manage their emotions, even even to be able to name them. Like, I am feeling sad um, because of this. And it is, I, I think remember talking when Robin was here about um, something may be important to, to them, you know, to a five-year-old that's not important to us. And so it's easy to be like, oh, that's, you know, not a big deal. Um, but in their world, it is. And mm-hmm. It can be hard to like enter into uh, and help them manage that emotion with something that we don't value. Yeah, well, and we make it we make it difficult on ourselves as well when we when we have an unhealthy or an incomplete view of emotions. Like if if I'm afraid of that emotional expression because it might show me as weak, or I fear that rejection. If you see, like, well, then in a in a somewhat distorted or twisted effort to protect our kids we may actually teach them mm-hmm. that so that they aren't rejected by somebody else. And so there is a, um, you know, there's a kind of a generational component to that as well. And it's, it's difficult, first of all, to name that in the first place. Secondly, it's, it's difficult because um, there's, there's so much value um, and identity attached to being a good parent. Yeah. And the definition of what, what makes me, what constitutes a good parent is so, broad and like, and, and defined by different people. Um, and so it's, it's, it's hard even just to consider, well, you know, in, in order to change those patterns with our kids, we have to first acknowledge like what we're doing is ineffective mm-hmm. or unhelpful or perhaps even wrong. Yeah. Um, but, but I think regardless of how, how old your kids are, I mean, my oldest is nine, my youngest is two. And, um, so, you know, you guys are, your kids are a little bit older, so you've had more of these kinds of conversations, but I know some of the most valuable moments is parent in parenting is actually acknowledging flaws and weaknesses to my kids. Mm. Um, and I would say, like, never pass up, like, don't sin against them on purpose, but never pass up an opportunity to confess 
send to your kids and ask for their forgiveness when you've wronged them to, to show them that the weakness and expressing that is actually um, creates the opportunity for more intimacy, for a closer relationship, for trust. And it demonstrates also there's a, because of who I am and God, because I know that I have Christ's forgiveness, there's a freedom in that to acknowledge my shortcomings rather than try to hide or cover them up. And to be able to give that, that experience to children from a young age, um, will we'll only serve to kind of help them engage with those emotions. Those are learned patterns that they'll follow up on as they keep growing. Yeah, I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, it just models Christ. Um, and I can look back and see how he's used stuff to grow me. And I can also trust that he's going to use that stuff to grow my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and where you were talking about, like, the emotions of, of our kids, I even think that goes to, like, being in tune with the emotions of others, just generally, like if we see somebody is sad or or crying or you know just even the other awareness um, that something is going on, and how can we, instead of change the way that they're being affected, um, acknowledge the that that something is happening, that they are being affected, and that it's uh, valuable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think of Luke. Had- Luke has talked about this uh, a couple of different places. Um, but even like the, the story of the, the good Samaritan is told. Um, and the, the root of that is somebody comes to Jesus and says, Hey, what's the greatest commandment? You know, love God, love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? He's looking at the scripture says he's looking to justify himself. And the story that Jesus tells essentially gets to the point of going, Hey, your neighbor, like to determine who's your neighbor, go, Hey, if you were hurting, who would you want to be a neighbor to you? Like, mm-hmm. and how would you want them to treat you? It's like, well, whoever is nearby, <laughs> um, like I don't want anybody yeah. to pass by because I'm pain. And so when we, you talk about like the, the awareness of even what other people are experiencing and considering when I see anyone else, regardless of whether I know them or not, but especially when it's somebody I know and love, when I see them hurting, uh, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Part of me wants to move in so that I can get comfortable by making them not hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. But that is about me. And part of me also wants to like the guys, two guys in the story of the good Samaritan is go to the other side. Yeah. because their stuff is uncomfortable and I don't know if I can do anything to make it better. And so I will just hope that somebody more qualified, more professional, more skilled will, <laughs> will happen to see them mm-hmm. later on. But the idea of, of just being aware and, and moving towards somebody else, not with the intent to fix, but just to go, Hey, I see that you're hurting. Um, when you're hurting, what would you want somebody to do? Acknowledge that sit with you. Um, and I think we, we make it, more difficult and more complex that needs to be yeah. like, what are we called to do um, is, is see other people in their pain and their suffering and their hurt and just move towards them and, and be present with them. And a lot of times that is infinitely more valuable than any kind of fix that we could try to bring. Yeah. I'm going to switch gears and Ooh, move, left move turn. over to, <laughs> do it. to when John was talking about love and hate and um, it got me thinking about like, what love really is and love is honesty Hmm. and um it made me think about how i don't know growing up i i kind of viewed love loving others as just giving and saying yes Hmm. and doing whatever they were asking of me because that's that's modeling christ you're being you know you're sacrificing. You're considering you're, the needs of others. It's yeah. greater Being than generous. your own. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing, like, I don't have the capacity to yeah. do all of this 
or um, other things are going to suffer greatly. Yeah. Important things like my sanity and yeah. <laughs> my family. Yeah. Um, so learning that love is, it can also be saying no, um, that, that God created us not with endless capacity, but to be dependent on the one who has endless capacity. Yeah, that's good. And um, what does it look like to say no lovingly? And and when you have to say no to something, um, what you can say yes to is praying, mm-hmm. praying that that need will get met or that God will provide. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be you. Yeah. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he's not limited in the way that he helps. Um, I'm also thinking about Jesus um, withdrawing from the crowds. Like all these people want, want healing and want to hear him. And, and there were times when he went into the solitary place and, um, and withdrew. Like he didn't, he didn't answer all the demands of the people. Um, and yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it takes honesty to admit that I don't have the capacity yeah. to do all of this yeah. and um, that somebody else might actually. Yeah. In even thinking about that in regards to emotions, um, I want to, if I see somebody hurting, I want to help them. But I'm actually, it can experience my limitations and my powerlessness to make things right. Mm-hmm. And, and really, God, I want you to act, and you must help. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a component, too, where, um, and I, I thought about not saying this, but I will. Uh, there's a component in... in love and honesty and limitations of, um, when, when people are in heightened emotional states, when there is pain, when there is suffering, when there is loss, whatever it might be, um, what we, what we naturally do, uh, is, is we look for something to cling to, to provide safety, to provide hope, to provide security, to provide answers. Like, and, and we'll look any number of places. Sometimes we look in appropriate directions in terms of God, in terms of other relationships. Sometimes that leads people to pursue um, other avenues of escape or relief or, or self-medication in different ways. Um, but, but anytime where I become the functional savior, uh, anytime where, where the relationship, you know, sometimes a word that gets used is, is codependency. Uh, but anytime it comes to a place where I become the primary person um, that you turn to for hope, for safety, for comfort, mm-hmm. and and such that it's not even that God isn't like towards the bottom of the list, but like that relationship with God doesn't even cross your mind because the only thing you can think of is me. I got to call Mark. I got to call Gina. I can't wait till my next meeting with Vicky. Um, love recognizes that I'm not Jesus, yeah. um, and maybe I haven't hit my limitations in what I can offer you, uh, but the 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 status of this relationship right now is, is such that, um, you know, your, you know, the, the ongoing kind of interaction with me is, is actually becoming a stumbling block or hindrance to, uh, to what you really need to seek and find in God. And there's a lot of discernment that comes into play in that. Okay. When do you do that? When do you not do that? Um, but that's something even for, for those of us who are, or helpers and have those kinds of tendencies that we want to just keep in mind to go, just remember, like part of my limitation is I'm a terrible Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the final thing that I wanted to share was just that when we're experiencing all of these emotions, it's really easy to get lost and and to remember that the the agent of change is the Holy Spirit, and we need His help. And you know, especially that made me think of when Laura was sharing about anger and 
anger can be so blinding sometimes and um we need the holy spirit to help us you know experience it correctly <laughs> righteously um and not let it get out of hand yeah and i think the temptation can be okay i'm going to just not be angry or i'm going to focus outwardly on the way that i'm affected and not be affected this way versus um going to in like interrogating myself what is it that I'm angry about and why because I, I remember like even just talking to a lot of people um you know th- they would be angry and they focus on how they express their anger which maybe really was sinful but but being like nobody ever asked me why I was angry and that there was an injustice somewhere um I think the hardest part of emotions is is really looking at ourselves um and looking at reality of um yeah I really I value this um, but then I, the person, you can feel missed, right? Like I'm angry and people just care about me not being angry, but never talk about why that anger is even there. Um, that, that's, it's hard. I think because we don't want to condone the bad behavior, the, maybe the sinful expression of it. Yeah. Well, Gina, you made reference to just the, the need that we have for the Holy Spirit, whether it's because of blindness or... Um, or even just forgetfulness or lack of knowledge, whatever it might be. I'm reminded that in uh, in the gospel, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each kind of highlights a different aspect of the character and the person of Jesus. Um, the book of Luke specifically highlights Jesus as man. And so it still has a lot of the the miracles that you see the accounts of in the other gospels. It has the temptation of Jesus, you know, in the wilderness that we you know first see in, in Matthew chapter three. But one of the interesting things that the book of Luke highlights is that anytime you see one of these kind of supernatural, miraculous things, it says that it refers to Jesus either as being led by the Spirit or being full of the Spirit. Mm. Um, and and that's significant for us because Jesus is God. That's the theme of John, you know. Um, but Jesus, being fully God, had has the power and authority to do whatever he wants, however he wants to do it. We see that when he's out on the boat and the, the wind and the waves and he calls out to the storm, peace, be still, and everything is, is done right away. He has that kind of power and authority, and yet even Jesus, in moments of suffering and temptation and anticipation and loss and and performing miracles, all these different things that have all sorts of different emotional components attached to them, in those moments, he's not operating only in his you know divine power as God, but he's operating like being led or being filled by the Spirit. And so when Jesus then promises, uh, you know, and I should have looked up this reference ahead of time, but when Jesus says, hey, I have to leave you, but it'll be better for me that I leave you because I'm going to send you someone better. I think this is either John 14 or 16. I'm going to send you my spirit. Um, we, we don't get the Holy Spirit unless Jesus leaves. And then to, to consider the same spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness and 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by Satan, um, not, you know, fasting those days, the same spirit that led Jesus in that, the same spirit um, that gave Jesus the the power to um, to perform these miracles, to face the authorities, to do all these different things, is the same spirit that he promised to us. And so there's a hope and a promise for us in Scripture that that in all of these different emotional experiences and expressions, some of which are sinful, some of which are not, and in a lot of which there's a whole lot of gray area in there, um, in all of these expressions, Jesus is familiar with what we are experiencing. He walked through those in the flesh and 
he sustained and endured in those moments because he was being led by the spirit, the same spirit that's promised to us. And so in all that, we, we are never alone to figure out, you know, with the fingers crossed, gee, I hope I get this right. I hope I direct this emotion the right way. I hope I'm understanding myself or this person the right way. And we have the spirit of God in us that is empowering us and gifting us um, and is actually the one who's, whose strength is at work in us when we actually kind of manage these things the right way. And the same one who gives us the strength to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness when we do screw these things up um, because we will. But again, that, that promise of the Spirit of God, the same one that led Jesus is the same Spirit that's in us. There's so much hope and freedom uh, in that. I, I have a thought. <laughs> Give me your thought. Can I share? <laughs> I, I think knowing that the Spirit is at work, that, that frees us from resolving other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. That we, we can give the, the Spirit space to work. We don't have to, to resolve um, or tie in a bow or make sense of somebody else's emotions. Um, and it's actually making me think of Jesus with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler went, went away sad, and Jesus didn't resolve his sadness. Um, he, he let him go away sad. Um, and so I think sometimes we can try to resolve somebody else's emotions prematurely instead of giving space for this spirit to work and letting them work through it. Yeah. Well, and we try to resolve our own prematurely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, if I, you know, I need to not be sad anymore, so I'm going to do this, I'm going to count my yeah. blessings, I'm going to do these sorts of things. And, yeah. and yet maybe sometimes God is also allowing us yeah. personally to sit in a place of tension. Yeah. Was there any other kind of themes that really stuck out that you're like, really want to make sure I mention this one? Or I think just overall for all of them, they're just opportunities for us to have conversations with God. Yeah. And that's what he ultimately wants is for us to you know, be in relationship with him. And that looks like talking and being honest and open and, you know, sharing what we're going through because yeah. he cares. Yeah. yeah. Faith isn't the the absence of emotion, um, but engagement with God in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pain, suffering, like we're, we're God, we're, the direction we're facing matters and we're, we're doing it with God because, and I think that's actually an expression of all those things that we believe that he is, he is good. He does care. So I can go to him and wrestle and, and be like, hey, God, where were you? Um, I'm in pain, and, and I really do believe that you help, but I'm not seeing your help, so help. Um, yeah. 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 The opportunity for engagement with God. Yeah. Now, on, and even like the, the title of this podcast is Talking to Humans. Um, and I think one of the, one of the, pitfalls that we find ourselves in is we we tend to think that talking to God, Jesus, you brought up like this engagement with God in the midst of these things that God were direction, those expressions. We feel like talking with God somehow is this out there, complex, complicated, difficult thing that we feel awkward about, or what if we don't do it the right way? But to a pretty significant degree, talking to God isn't a whole lot different than mm-hmm. talking to humans <laughs> and even in these conversations mm-hmm. we had it's, it's asking questions and hey yeah. where are you at what was going on um and so just the the general encouragement is like careful how i say this there's not really a wrong way to talk to god unless you're kind of bordering on you know heresy and assaulting his character <laughs> and, and blasting but in terms of like the honest expression the same way that you would with a close and trusted friend who you trust and you feel safe with and who you know like Talking to God is not different. Um, yeah, and like Jen said, we can just groan. 
Yeah. And grunt. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. That's good. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm thinking of, um, so I, I've used this example before. I'm not sure if I've used it here, but, but if we, our child uh, falls off a bike and skins their knee and is crying and they come to us and say, um, Mom, thank you for the food. Thank you for clothing me. Um, you're just such a good mom. I love you. You know, I would look and I'd be like, yeah, but I want to hear about the tears. Like, why are you crying? And, and you telling me about the tears and what happened doesn't equal I don't believe that you, you're not thankful. Um, and it's an honor to be entrusted with somebody's pain. And I think that's, um, that's how God is. That God, God is like, I want to hear about your pain because that's relationship, that's connection. And just because you come to me with your pain and your doubts and your wrestling, um, that doesn't mean I don't think that you're grateful yeah, for that. We don't have to have our emotions under control. Yeah. Or clean up. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to clean up before you go. You can just go. Yeah. So, but. Well, that feels like a, a good place to end just on that exhortation and encouragement. Um, I just, you've, you've used that, that metaphor with me before and it always, it always sticks a different way each time. And it's always encouraging and challenging to hear. Um, well, Gina, thanks for walking us through a recap of, of this season. It's been a lot of fun to, to do this podcast. Um, and I don't know yet what the theme for uh, season three of talking to humans is going to be. All I know is that there indeed will be a season three. Right. So perhaps a little bit of a, a cliffhanger in here, unless Vicki, you have some kind of teaser for, for the theme of season three, or you want to hold off on that? Yeah, maybe I'll hold off. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at Gina because we've, we've had some good <laughs> conversations, but. All right. Well, yeah. cliffhanger there. Uh, and don't worry, there's not going to be any kind of like mid or post credit scene. If you keep listening to the podcast where you'll get something else. So um, yeah, don't, don't worry about that, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, there'll definitely be a season three of talking to humans. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.